What's up, castaways? Welcome to the very first, the inaugural episode of the Survivor Squad podcast. I am one of your many hosts, Ben Burnett. Joining me for this inaugural episode, we have the Dubrovskis. <laughs> I've never referred to them as such in my life, and actually am very uh, self-conscious about whether or not Dina has uh, uses Dubrovsky as her last name. So let's flip it over to them. Elon and Dina, welcome to the show. Dina, Thanks. do I have to apologize to you already <laughs> before uh, we've even talked? Well... No, you don't need to apologize, but no, I actually don't go by Dubrovsky, but it's okay. As a family name, I'll take it. The dog has Dubrovsky as a last name, so I'm an honorary Dubrovsky, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. Apparently, Dina's mom was really upset with her that she decided not to take the name Dubrovsky because it's like the last name of some Russian like spy in their novels. Like the James, the Russian James Bond is named Dubrovsky. And she was like, how could you not decide to take this name? You're crazy. Elon is embellishing. It's not a spy, but it is um, a character in a novel, a very famous no- Russian novel. Ooh. So by Dostoevsky, I believe. Oh. Elon wanted it to sound extra cool, so... I remember yeah. someone told me it was... I mean, I did not read... Actually, I feel bad, because they even gave me the book at some point In to English. read. In English! And I didn't. I apologize. I, if you, you can find it, I'll read it. It feels like you should learn to read Russian to impress Dina's family. I was starting to learn Russian to impress her grandmother at one point, who uh, didn't speak any other language, and she really liked me a lot more than all of her other grandchildren's, like, partners, uh, but, you know... Now it's no longer necessary. Everyone in the family now uh, speaks English with me, so it's harder to have motivation. Right. I think that putting showing the effort at the beginning too maybe uh, does the trick in general of what of what you're sort of describing there. Yeah, I maybe Dean is sort of r- rolling her eyes, maybe a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I got someone who not only decided to be with me, but also agreed to watch Survivor with me. So I hit the jackpot. Whatever I did obviously worked, and now I've got a fellow Survivor fan ready to get on a podcast and talk about it. So I, I can't complain. Yeah, this is mine and Katie's favorite show to watch together as well. Uh, she gets mad at me every time I say this because she pushes back on the idea that Survivor could be her favorite show. But I just think that it's the show we have the most fun watching every week. To, you know, it's, it's just a fun show to watch with your partner. And there's like a lot to debrief and discuss after. So I think there's uh, it's like a treasure trove of, uh, you know, couple bickering and arguments after the fact. Right. There's no I'm other show that we're this. like, uh, this is when it's Wednesday. Oh my God, it's Survivor Day. So I think that has to make it my favorite show because there's no other show where I'm just like excited because it's the day of the show. Right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, uh, let's start. I think what we're going to do is get into a recap uh, of episode three. And I want to start though, before we do that, to sort of ask you guys how you're feeling three episodes in to season 42, starting to get a feel for these characters. Uh, how are you feeling about this season so far? I feel really good about this season. I felt like the first episode did a really good uh, job at introducing all the characters, or the majority of them anyway. So I got a feel of who's like the quirky one, who's the funny one, who's the strategist. And then the second episode was a bit slower, but still entertaining. And I feel like this is the perfect episode to jump right in and discuss, because what a crazy tribal... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elon, what about you? Are you into the season? 
Yeah, I'm really liking it. I think the characters are a lot of fun. I like how there's just like one strong guy and then a bunch of He's normal so people. Strong. <laughs> just watching Jonathan in that last challenge was insane. How he not only had to like do all the work, but also like keep his tribe from drowning, like pulling them across the water. So I, yeah. I, I, yeah, things like that. Like there's some interesting characters that we haven't seen before. Like Marianne is is so funny oh every God. time she talks. There's some like really smart players. There's also some really like dumb players based on the episode we saw yesterday. Or these players that made dumb decisions. Plus, one thing I really like is that in other seasons where it, where it's felt like everyone has a million advantages, I like how in this season it's like the opposite and everyone is like losing advantages and like we're going into tribals <laughs> with negative votes and yeah. that's just made it so interesting. It's something we've never seen before. That's yeah, you would point. have you would have thought that the you know there was like a preview if some people choose not to watch it to not get spoiled, but you know at the end of the previous episode it was showing like oh like first time on Survivor and it was like all about the challenge and how they almost died and so they had to be you know pulled out of the water and so or they pulled themselves out and then they had to uh, to get the keys to them on land, but really it was a lot more historical in that there were six people in tribal but only four votes that actually counted and then reduced to two votes. So I mean. What a twist. What a twist. Oh, great point. Um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to hear that you both are so into this season. I'm feeling a little meh about it um, after season 41. And I think it's because the season 41 cast was so strong that this cast, to me, just I just don't have that. I'm, I don't feel a connection with too many of the characters so far. Hmm, interesting. I think you need to give it time, Ben. Sometimes, sure. you know, you start dating, you get acquainted, <laughs> you talk about things you have in common, and next thing you know, you're you're swooning. Unless you're Marianne and you're getting rejected after the first date and you Oof. never get to future dates. That was, was it? To, was that this week or last week where Marianne last shot last her week. shot? That was so bad. Oh, that, that, was, was, that was a rough... Lo- yeah, but it's just a rough L to take on TV. <laughs> no, I don't know. I I just felt like she's uh, you know hamming it up a bit for the cameras and, and doing a, a great job with it. <laughs> That's she's definitely doing that. And Dina, fair enough. I'm definitely not closing the book on on season 42. It's just my initial impression is kind of mediocre. I really loved season 41. This one doesn't have the same room for me yet. I do have a thought, though. Like, I think that there's kind of a difference between this cast and season 41. Like, I think it really comes down to, like, what you're going for. Because season 41, Mm. I found, was, like, a lot of, like, really serious people with, like, big thoughts of like what they're representing and like you know the season was a a lot more about like big topics almost and like Mm -hmm. a lot of people's like personal stories there's obviously some of that here but i think this season has just a lot more like quirky funny like weird characters like i think of marianne like tori was so funny in that first episode trying to bond with everyone about harry like i don't know i like people like that like the weirdos like daniel this last episode was crazy i'm not feeling tori Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like it's a lot of misfits. And Ben, maybe like this is you coming from like, oh, I'm like the cool guy. Yeah, Ben's that the lo- cool one. <laughs> yeah, that likes cool people that you can relate to. And we're like, oh my God, all these weirdos. So hilarious. We well, love them so much. I mean, I hear you on that. I do usually like the weirdos, though. And the reason why I really liked the cast last season is because of the personal narrative-driven side of the the season, where there were just so many people like from the beginning that I could identify with um, that aren't usually mentioned on the show. And I will say, like just off top, like the last two seasons both have so many more like queer-coded characters than I'm used to seeing on Survivor, and I have been really enjoying that. Like just to see, you know, not not so much the like 
um, six pack and blonde hair versus old people dynamic that used to be like the beginning of the show. Um, so I, yeah, no, it's certainly like, I think compared to other seasons, the cast has a lot. I'm really liking, like you mentioned Jonathan earlier. He's a really, I really like the jocks who are thoughtful and goofy. And, uh, so he's been a, he's been a really good in that role, but yeah, let's jump into the show, um, recap. I'm sure some of these takes will pop back up as we go. Um, and episode three starts on Taku Beach the morning after they have voted out Maria. Everyone's happy. They stayed for strong. And as soon as they get back, Marianne says, everyone, I got an extra vote. In fact, she's like, even though we're four, it's like we got five and just screaming. Probably, you know, been waiting to say this since they since they left tribal for sure. Uh, and then... Yeah, what did you guys think about her? I guess and I'll throw this one to Elon first. What did you think about Marianne immediately telling everyone about the extra vote? <laughs> I mean, I think it was a terrible idea, but I loved it for TV. But it's like, obviously, I don't think the tribe is currently thinking about, oh, when we merge, we have an extra vote because there's a, obviously a possibility that they could go back to tribal and vote someone else out. And people would probably be afraid that when they think that they have a 3-2 majority over her, like they might not. So... I just does, I don't see any benefit to sharing this information, at least not with the whole tribe. Maybe if you have like one super tight ally, I think that makes a lot of sense to share your advantage. But obviously, Marianne is just the type of person that's, you know, an open person that's going to share every thought that comes to her head and it makes for great television. Yeah, for better and for worse, right? Because in some ways you're thinking, oh, Marianne, like this person is like very much in the spotlight. And so an easy person if you wanted to rile behind and say like let's just get rid of her on one hand but also as she's providing so much kind of flair to the island life and you know everyone is like enjoying her sometimes other times they're like oh this is like a lot of energy for me it's kind of like having I feel like a toddler or someone like on the beach where you're just like tired and hungry and then there's this person that's just like running around back and forth with like endless supplies of like energy and just like giggles and you know and just I think it could be nice to have but yeah in like measured quantities so it yeah. like so it does not surprise me that marianne just like couldn't help herself and just like blurted it out you know? <laughs> she's just like, oh, i have to tell someone everyone yes and actually this comes up a bit later but when she gets the nonsense advantage like she has to say the phrase uh the beware advantage that means that she has to say the crazy phrase it's like she is the perfect candidate for that because no one will think a second thought when she opens her mouth and says a weird thing um, I did want to ask you guys something about something she said, because I had no idea if there was a reason she said this. But Marianne says that she's watched every episode except for six eps of Token Teens. Why? Why? Does, do we know why? Such a good question. And I will say that I watch Token Teens or Token Teens, I believe Talkin is how it's Jeans. pronounced. Yes. Um, so I watched it. I watched most of Survivor after the fact and like the earlier seasons. And then I joined in around season 20 or so and all thanks to Elon. So shout out to him that I'm even watching the show and very fun. And so I will say that that was like a very fun season. So I'm not sure 
if the insinuation was that she started and gave up on it, but which I find hard to believe. I would think that maybe she kind of just joined in the tail end of it or something. But it was like very funny to to hear her say, like, I watched mm-hmm. everything except those six episodes. That's like, which ones? <laughs> the beginning yeah. and the middle? Yeah. I also just feel like if you're such a big super fan, you'd think at some point there was just a pandemic where we were all isolating in place for like two years. You couldn't go back. Uh, like, you know, it's all available on like Paramount Plus or whatever it is in the States. Like she could have just gone and like rewatched those six episodes so to f- complete weird. the set. Yeah, I, I felt the same. I, I wasn't sure if you guys would remember something that happened in that season that might have I'll tell you everything. Marianne. Coach, yeah. remember Crazy Coach? Well, yeah, I guess. Steven and JT, it's a classic. But I just How mean like... watch it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just don't get it. Um, <laughs> so then she finds the Beware Advantage, which uh, we talked about already. And uh, one thing I really liked here, and I can't remember if she said this this episode or if it was in a previous episode, but she said... How Christians always regret playing it too safe and and regret, like, not taking risks. I think it was in a previous episode when she risked her vote. And she's like, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of interviews with Christians who have done have gone on the show and they, like, regretted not playing a little bit, like, uh, more sneakily. And so she's decided to be risky. I, I like that. I, I, I like that mention. I thought it was interesting that she made it about like a specific religion because I think everyone if they end up playing safe something that they should have risked and you know paid for it in terms of getting voted out then yeah hindsight 2020 does like oh I really do wish that I kind of took that chance but on the flip side of it it's like I feel like now everyone is all about like the big moves and like the resume and stuff and although people haven't mentioned the resume just yet in the post uh you know, 30s Survivor. I feel like that was like a big discussion in like the later uh, end of the 30s. So, but people are still very much talking about like, I need to make a big move. Like, this is my chance. And I'm not convinced that it's always the best way to go. Like a lot of the times going to put a target on your back. Like last season with Liana, for example, like she was so obsessed. It felt like from the very beginning about like making that big move and being like one of the top players of Survivor ever. And I feel like she got in that mindset and then completely flubbed that whole exchange on Tribal, you know, when she was uh, trying to steal the advantage from Xander, but he didn't have it. He actually gave it away. So you need to be like really careful about it's, it's a fine line, I think. And it really, you know, you need to tailor it to like your game and to the other players and see what makes sense. I think it's also funny that she was, you know, is saying like, oh, the Christians tend to like regret. Like, this season, like, I don't know what religion everyone is, but like literally every person who's had the opportunity to do something risky has done so. And they all say the same thing. Like, I came here not to play it safe. I came here to make big moves. It's like, we saw what happened with Daniel. Well, no, I guess with Chanel and Omar at the, you know, where they had to make the choice of risking their They made a terrible decision. And both of them were like, I guess uh, to be like, to jump ahead, if I may, like, I don't think Omar made a bad decision because I think that Chanel basically told him that she couldn't afford to risk her vote before she then went ahead and did so. But I feel like, you know, she was also like in her confessional, oh, you know, like I didn't come here to not take risks and do, and you know, you don't have to always risk everything all the time. I wonder if in future seasons people will maybe take some lessons and be like, maybe just because you have the opportunity to do something doesn't mean you like have to do it. Well, and this is a really interesting episode to mention that for because the only person who hasn't risked their vote in the risk of vote uh, choice is Jenny, Uh. who, spoilies, 
gets voted out in this episode because two of the people on her alliance did lost their vote. To be fair, like, poor Jenny, right? Like, it's not yes. even her fault. Like, she was in the majority. She, like, had everything going well for her. She made all the right decisions. It's just because Chanel just... And we'll, we'll get to this, anyway, I okay. guess, a bit later. But, yeah, just to the point of, like, making, you know, not wanting to risk everything, it, it did cost people this this vote tonight. Um, so Marianne finds this other advantage, um, immediately tells everyone about it. Uh, then we go over to Vati where Daniel has lost his stuff again. Uh, Hi and Lydia are clowning him for being a uh, a loser. And I don't mean that in the literal way, but, you know, losing the stuff a lot. Uh, Daniel says that it's him and Chanel, Jenny and Mike, and Hi and Lydia. That's the, the three ways that they're breaking it down. Then, and guys, I hated this so much. Daniel convinces Mike to let him read the idol vote. He realizes he can't vote Mike out, but he also loses the idol and the piece of paper. Mike is a saint for not beating. Like, I would have been (laughs) so mad at Daniel. I was mad watching the show. I don't know how you guys felt about this. Do you want to hear something even crazier than that? When I was listening to the exit press with Jenny, she actually said that Daniel lost that idol twice. Like that he kept bugging Mike to read and reread the instructions. And so he multiple times manages to lose these like precious, you know, small things that you would think like, how hard could it be? Just like read it and then return it to its like rightful place. I'm just like, this guy has, uh, I don't know, he has like something going on with him because the, I don't think you're supposed to lose things that much. <laughs> I just, I feel like Ben just, we might just have something different that we're watching Survivor for because while you're saying you hated it, I was dying laughing that whole oh, time. It yeah, was so sure. amazing. Like, I don't understand how, like, it's not like they're in the real world where, you know, I've got my keys, I've got my, like, fob for work, I got my, I got I my phone, you know, I've got a lot of important things on me. Like, there's literally, like, nothing, there's nothing there. Like, the idol is, like, a goal... It makes no sense. How could you lose the idol? It's the only thing anyone cares about in this game. And somehow he doesn't think to, like, check if he still has it with him. Like, what else is there to carry? You know what's so funny to me? It's almost, like, so ironic that he is, like, on Survivor. You know, he's, like, supposed to be, like, living off the land in, like, some, you know, patch of an island. And it's, like, he would do terribly if it was, like, a real-life situation (laughs) where he actually had to just, like, live on an abandoned island. It's, like, he would lose everything and he would starve to death, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that was great. That is uh, a great point. And, Elon, you're, like, in fairness to you, I definitely do enjoy the, like, dramatics of it. But I was just, like, I was very empathetic towards Mike in this situation of just, I couldn't, I know I would be, you know, like... Probably they're friends. They get along fine. And then you're like, your friend is starting to bother you a little bit about something, trying to get you to do something that you don't really want. But it's like, it's not even really that it bothers me to do it. It's just like, you're being a little bit annoying right now. And then you give in. And then they made, they flub it in such a ridiculously (laughs) annoying, you know, I just felt bad for Mike. Uh, Yeah, it it was very entertaining, though. Um, Yeah. So I want, yes. One thing I was curious about is like, what if they didn't find it? Right? Like, what even would happen? Yeah. Like, is Mike actually penalized and he loses his idol? Like, that just seems so unfair. I think so. I, I can't imagine they would just, like, the producers would be like, no, it's, here you go, bud. Isn't I it kind of then, like, gone. 
I almost feel like then isn't it almost like an unfair rule? Like what if then anyone could just like, let's say my someone that's in my tribe has the idol they've told me about and I'm like, I don't really want this person to have the idol. I could just be like, hey, can I see it? And then like throw it in the ocean and then that's it. The person yeah, doesn't have an idol it's anymore. It's the same as like the rice. You can just dump the rice or whatever. Jeez, I think. Okay. <laughs> I assume it's a it's a commodity. It's a resource. You can lose it if somebody, if you trust somebody to, it's like we've seen in previous seasons, someone finds an, an idol hands it over to someone and they decide to share it. And then that person just holds on to the idol. And it's just like, like those sorts of things have come up. I think. I think we need to see the fine, fine print. Right. Daniel wanted to yeah. see the first fine print, but <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah. They need to really put it up on the screen. Let everybody scroll through, make sure we're all checking. Um, yeah. So then we go to the challenge. Marianne says the thing about the bunny. Mike does not say anything about it. Um, I was always under the impression last season that if you found the uh, the beware advantage, you had to say the funny thing. I don't. Is it? Am I wrong? Am I off on about this? I think you're not wrong. I think the rules have changed. I guess evidenced mm, by the okay. fact that Mike chose for a second time in a row to not share his uh, you know passion for soccer. <laughs> right. Um, I think and then, that uh, yeah. it was a smart move, though, right? Like, I like that the rule doesn't force them to do it. It's good that you have the choice, especially since we found out that if you, like, don't activate it by the merge, then you just get the idol, which mm-hmm. I never knew was how it worked. I assume that's just, like, you just have to say the phrase at some point. So, it like, it is kind of interesting that... I don't know if Mike's thinking about this, but I, I think it's interesting that, like, if he can somehow get through the pre-merge without ever needing an, a vote or, or an idol, then he can, like, avoid having everyone find out. Because that's one thing I always thought was kind of unfair about this advantage. You're kind of forced to tell people you have an idol, put a target on your back, even if you don't necessarily want to. Like, I feel like it's always nice when the players get a choice of what they're going to do and they can make, like, a strategic decision in one way or the other. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, yeah... Okay, I, I think that you're right. I think that it is interesting, and I'm glad that they. If it is a swap, if they, it's a change they made consciously. I do think it's a a good punch up. Um, this is a reward challenge as well, uh, where the winning team gets a toolkit and a plate of fruit. I want to ask you both, <laughs> as Survivor super fans, if you were out there, what fruit would you want to be eating? If you, would you want to see on that plate, and which tool would you be most excited to win? Ooh, fun. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. I'm, like, not a pineapple. Wow. I would be ecstatic to see some pineapples on that tray. That's, that might be my answer off top. I feel like if I'm so hungry, I need to maximize, you know, my access to the fruit. Because, you know, I feel like when you peel a pineapple, it's so much work and, like, you always miss some of the skin and just, like, I don't know, I guess I feel like it gets stuck in your teeth. It's just, like... um that's not my fruit. But anyways, you asked me which fruit I would be excited for. I feel like, I don't know. Can I be super basic and say banana? It's like super you can say filling. What, yeah, of course. Sure. That's fine. Did you guys see that season where they won bananas and then James, the big strong guy, was eating bananas without asking permission? And then everyone was like, you're supposed to always say you're going to have a banana and ask if other people want a banana. That would be fun to bring that whole thing back. That was really great. <laughs> manners you have so elon what about you what's your fruit here i think that dina makes a really good point i want a fruit where i could eat everything so now because I-, I think what do you I guys was, eat like, the banana peel 
Is that what's well, going on the... in the Dobrowski household? <laughs> well, no, I'm going to go further. Because I don't, I think at this point, if this is a survival situation and I'm hungry, I think what like I like, like the taste of kind of goes out the window. Like who cares? I'm hungry. I just want to have like something to nourish me. So I almost feel like an apple, you know, just like apples that I can just like eat the skin. You could even eat the core. You, you should could, not eat the core. But you could. <laughs> no, it has poison in it. What? In like very small quantities, but the actual seeds have a bit of, is it ricin? Has anyone ever so. died from being poisoned from eating too many apples? Apple Look. overdose? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a there's 80,000 apple overdoses in the United States every year. Oh, my God. Year. This is real facts. Um Okay, what about a tool? Have you guys ever thought about this? Like, what, like, truly what it would be like if you're out on Survivor <laughs> building a shelter? Like, what tool you would want to get? Oh, my God. I feel like a net seems, like, good because you can, like, catch things in the water and in the on land. If someone's mm-hmm. really annoying you, you can just, like, throw the net mm-hmm. on them and let them <laughs> struggle with it for a bit. You can make that's a what Mike could do to it. Daniel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just be like, "This is your quiet time. Go sit there." I feel like um, Jonathan is strong enough. He could like pull out the sides of a net and like fling people up in the air like a trampoline yes, or something. Yes, yeah. that would be <laughs> very fun. Or like even you know, Jonathan and like three other weaklings can like stand mm-hmm. on all corners and just like. Yeah, raise someone up and down. <laughs> Dina's um, definitely the handy person of this family, so I'm going to uh, defer to her with the tool. She just actually uh, reupholstered our couch or whatever you call it. Oh my god! Fixed up our couch that had tears in it, and now it looks like it's brand new. So, yeah, but you I, don't I, sit on it. Just to just so the listeners know, Elon and Dina are sitting on the floor in front of this couch that Dina apparently reupholstered professionally. Okay, well that's because the thing that I. I'm good at is trying to make a podcast. And I figured that we'd have our faces closer to the microphone this way, way, as opposed to if we're sitting on the couch and then the microphones on the coffee table were too high. We're talking to the top of the Yeti, which is not how it's meant to be used. You're supposed to be talking like into the front. Come on, people. So my tool would be a microphone, clearly. And I guess right. I would need a power cable and uh, a computer. <laughs> And then, also, then I'd be set. Also, to anyone who cares, I did actually reupholster. That would be, like, a lot more impressive than what I mm. did. But I did re- repair uh, a tear as well as, like, re-stain the couch. So it looks, like, Good very for fresh. You. It does look very nice. Maybe next time you can uh, build Elon, like, a microphone arm to uh, yeah. to hang out over the... Uh, that, that could be your next, next step. Um, in this challenge, Daniel sits again. It hasn't Daniel sat like every challenge? Are they just letting him do it because he dislocated his shoulder? <laughs> Good point. I was going to make fun of him that he's like the new Sandra, but uh, you're right. I'd be more <laughs> charitable and say that it's probably because he's like semi-injured still. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I feel like he would have died there. I mean, yeah. already oh they were God. like drown- drowning with like two hands. So imagine having just like only a hand and a half that are like mm-hmm. fully functional. What was it? It was uh, only four people participated, right? So they had to mm-hmm. sit two of them. So I think you got to play Mike, you've got to play Chanel, and then High seems fit. And then mm-hmm. so then between Jenny, Daniel, and Lydia, I think Jenny, like I think they just like had to, they just made the right choice. But don't they there. typically say like you can only sit, you can't sit out in back to back challenges? Isn't that typically old. something? Ben, okay. this is the new era of okay. Survivor. Okay? Drop the four, keep the two. <laughs> yeah, keep the two. Yeah, all right. The we two is remaining. Anymore. Uh, Dina mentioned it. Where the the challenge is wild, the waves are going crazy out there. I think we need to immediately talk about Jonathan, who literally wins Taku this challenge. Uh, at some point, Jeff, after it says that this is like one of the best 
performances he's seen in a group challenge. I wrote that note down prior to that happening because, like, yeah, that was incredible. And then Je- Jonathan does this little, like, bow thing, like, namaste bow at Jeff. <laughs> I was laughing. Is this the first time in history, correct me, and probably you won't be able to know off the top of your head, like, I don't, but, like, I, this was a challenge where I think it would have been easier for like that tribe to win the challenge if they had fewer people like if it was just jonathan Mm. and let's say Lindsay to climb the ladder if it was just the two of them i think they would have finished it even faster it was like marianne and omar were just like in his way that he had to keep swimming out and grab them and pull them in the current yeah yeah it reminded me of like you know like the mama animal just like grabbing uh (laughs) you know her pups by their scruff because they just they kept you know, just drifting away. It was so um, cute. Yeah, that's exactly what it was like. It was like the like Simba getting picked up by the the scruff of his neck. Yeah, it was really. It, and it's so funny because it's like you could really tell the difference between these three tribes because these two yes. other tribes just don't have anyone even like near Jonathan, like not even close. Like, are we looking at Mike as the closest like big strong person in Vati yep. and like Roxroy or something like in the other one? Like, it's just like. And I will say that being tall was a huge advantage in this one because no one could really stand on, you know, on the sand. It was like way too deep because of the waves. And I think Jonathan was. So imagine it's like you're already the strongest. You're like basically Hercules and you are able to stand rather than like keep swimming. So it was not surprising. I mean, it was an amazing feat of like strength like super impressive i'm not taking anything away from jonathan at all but he had like all the attributes that were needed to just like slay the challenge yeah it felt like he was like a different type of per like a superhero out there like just it it wasn't even close uh yeah i was i was incredibly impressed by that um and the especially the latter thing um yeah did you guys, when you were watching it, feel, like, afraid? Like, I know that, obviously, it's, like, the pre-taped show, so I know that nobody probably died or drowned. But, like, it was, like, I like I know how you were saying that you were, like, cringing when Daniel was losing the idol while I was, like, laughing and enjoying it. But it was, like, for me, it was, like, the thing that I actually didn't enjoy was watching people, like, trying to gasp for air and seeing, like, water rush into their mouth. Yes. And I was, like, can we stop this? Like, I'm not enjoying watching this. Yeah, yeah. but as a super empath, how did that make you feel? <laughs> Uh, well, so I actually made a note very similar or about this topic, but what actually bothered me about this scene is the way that they edited it was to show people like the waves breaking over people's faces and then they were doing the like slow-mo like ah type of uh, camera angle and it just like to me, I feel like it was probably a lot more intense and brutal out there than they showed. And it kind of bothered me that they it felt like they were like trying to like distract from the fact that they put all these people into actual danger. Yeah, such a good point. They were like trying to romanticize it or something like it was yeah. an epic battle with the sea. But it's like this is not a movie. This is like real people for like half an hour, like struggling in like these you know just treacherous waters it's like this is not fun i'm concerned yes i felt the same way uh, or that's exactly how i felt i guess and i guess you mentioned it dina earlier they they teased this in the previously on last week as like being uh, a first for survivor this show loves when firsts happen jeff always calls it out usually it's pretty like interesting or fun this one i i didn't feel I don't know. It didn't make me feel it. What did you guys think about this first for Survivor? It felt anticlimactic to me based on the preview. 
I definitely thought there was going to be something more and you know, throwing it back to what I said earlier, like in my mind, the tribal was like a big first to me, which mm-hmm. almost felt like that should have been, you know, the bigger deal, but probably they didn't want to give it away because it would have been too big of a spoiler. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, you almost killed a bunch of people. So you decided to help them out. Like, good job, Survivor. Nothing <laughs> to be like so proud of and like advertise in your previews. I just think also there's just some people who watch the show for different things. My dad has started to watch Survivor and I was talking to him yesterday and he was like, I'm so confused. Like, I don't know who all these people are. I didn't really follow what was going on with the votes, but I did really love the challenge. So maybe like for people like that, it's like you want to have all the drama and the challenge. And then for people like maybe Dina and myself and maybe you like I'm like cringing throughout the challenge, like, please just let these people live. And then like we get to tribal because I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with the votes. Yeah, some people may find it surprising, but, like, some people do watch it for the challenges, and that's, like, one of their favorite things. Yeah, I'm the the opposite myself. It's not that I dislike the challenges, but I do find them, like, I think they just get repetitive over time, because it feels Mm -hmm. like they're just kind of cycling through, like, four or five different types of of challenge, and then it, it just feels like my brain starts to parse them as just, like, the same thing happening that I've already watched 700 times. In my mind, it's a means to an end. Sure, yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. It's like a plot device that they yes. use. That's like, and when they, oh, it's there. And- when they do a good job, too, of, like, building up to a, tra- a challenge where, like, there are stakes of, like, I need to win this or else I'm gone, I feel like they, they can really pull that one off. But oftentimes in the pre-merge, it, it's just a little bit of a, like, especially when there are three tribes and you know two of them are going to win, like, a lot of it just feels not that thrilling. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like the challenge is interesting when there's like a story. Like, you know, like one player is really struggling in the challenge. And then the story of like the challenge is how like this person's struggling and, and costs their tribe. And that's why. But like the challenges that I actually care the least about, though, are, you know, when they like after the merge, when they do these reward challenges where they randomly split people into like two groups. That's just for no It's just like random splits. Then it's like, why would I care at all? Like which group of like these four randos and these four randos? Like, who am I cheering for to win? It's at least like these immunity challenges pre-merge i could be like oh i kind of hope vati loses because we haven't yeah. seen them go to tribal yet and that'll be mm-hmm. interesting like who cares about this like random group of four winning immunity so that's the one thing i think that they should cut out they should always do challenges where like i like reward challenges post-merge mainly for when someone wins and then they have to pick like the people to bring with them and that always like leads to drama that's my favorite thing about reward challenges i think the only utility of what you're describing which I agree that in the moment it doesn't feel like there are really any stakes. It's just that kind of the fallout of that, of those two groups going separately to the right. reward versus being like sad about losing and potentially bonding and an opportunity to create, you know, some more uh, drama, some potential new alliances or... Oh, yeah. Yeah. The social no, experiment element of it, I guess, yeah. I guess this goes back to how, like I was saying before, I always like it when the players get to have, like, agency. Like, uh, to me, that's, like, a random split. I'd rather, like, one person wins and then chooses which three people will go with them. And then there's Those still, like, a split of, like, there's still a group of four and four, but, like, there was, like, more that went into that decision. But anyways, we'll yeah. talk about that in, like, five episodes from now. Yeah, that's We're still true. doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um and so Vati is, uh, is the tribe that loses. They are going to go to tribal council. Before they go, Taku, as the winning tribe, gets to send one person from Vati on a journey to the summit of a mountain. They send Chanel 
and decide to send Omar with or Omar with Chanel. Um, they show up, talk about how much they vibed already, how much they're besties now. Uh, they decide that they're going to they'll both risk it if they can win. Um, but Chanel has told Omar how she can't risk it. This going to tribal is going to be such a big deal. Going to have to play it safe. Can't risk her vote. So they both decide to risk their vote and unknowingly at the, at this point, lose their votes. Uh, Dina, any thoughts on, on the decision to lose, to risk votes for both of these people? I mean, what a disaster for Chanel, right? I really cannot understand what she was thinking. Honestly, it's just, to me, it just, it's mind boggling. Like, I'm sorry, but Jenny from her same tribe went to that same, what is it, island of whatever. Um, Summit Sh- Island or something. Shipwheel, <laughs> Shipwheel yeah. Island. Ooh, I like that. Yes, I think that's the name. And so she knew exactly what to expect. I just don't understand. Like, even if she didn't trust what Jenny told her exactly, like, she came and then she saw the exact thing that Jenny described. And so surely she must have brought it up with Omer and said, like, hey, this is happening. Like, couldn't they just decide, like, hey, I can't risk my vote. You take the advantage and, you know, maybe we can uh, work together later. I just cannot understand how you go from saying you can't lose your vote and knowing full well what to expect when you go to, you know, when you split from your sort of uh, climbing pal um, and then just choosing to risk your vote when the margins are already so small. It's like they were going to be like a three to two vote in like a perfect scenario, right? It's like they were going to vote out um Lydia the th- uh or sorry four to two no it was gonna be three to two because she knew that Mike didn't oh, have sorry because Mike didn't have yeah that's right okay I was three to two right she knew that Mike didn't have a vote so she knew it was going to be three to two so how do you make it even the slightest possibility of having it be two to two And for what benefit, right? Like to get an extra vote, which you don't even need because you have the majority three to two, like winning four to two or three to two doesn't even matter. Right. Chanel was in such a great place because she had this alliance with Daniel and he was her number one and everything was going well, it seemed. And they had this like tight alliance with Mike and Jenny and they seemed to all be getting along. So it's just so confusing to me why she decided to do what she did. I think also, like, another sk- a skill that seems to be really important in Survivor is to, like, be able to think about other people's motivations. You know, like, being able to think, like, what does this person think? And then you could try to, like, predict what they're going to do based on your knowledge of, like, what you would do if you were them. You know, like, kind of, like, taking that step. And I feel like she must realize, like, I literally said these words to Omar. I said, I can't afford to lose my vote. So why wouldn't she assume then that Omar is going to see this choice and be like, well, I know that she can't afford to lose her vote. So that means she's going to play it safe, which means it makes sense. Like, I don't know how she even came. I'd love to hear an interview with her one day. She's like, what made you think that Omar wasn't going to risk it? Because, like, Dean and I were watching it and we were like, this is so straightforward. Omar's going to risk. She's going to protect because she literally told him that's the plan. They, I guess there was this thing where they were both saying, like, if there's a way for us both to, like, risk it, then we'll do it. But it's like, that's not how this works. <laughs> like, that's not an option. No, I think what she kept on saying also is, yeah, it's like, if there's a way for both of us to benefit, then let's do that. And I wonder if she, like, overthought it of, like, 
you know, a double negative almost of like, well, he doesn't need protection, so he'll help me protect myself by throwing an extra vote my way. But uh, that was like really like a leap of faith and not something that she, I feel like, communicated with words at all, but just like thought after the fact. Like, yeah, that makes sense. I think it has, has something to do with, again, what we were talking about before. It's like this feeling of like, I'm on Survivor. I'm here to take risks. I'm not here to play it safe. I'm here to like go balls to the wall because this is my one opportunity. And it's like, you know, any opportunity I get to do anything, I'm going to take it. Yeah, and I've noticed that this season in particular, that every time that comes up, as a viewer, I've always been like, yes, let's go, I'm going to take this risk. But I do feel like it's kind of on the producers and the show to pick up on this vibe that has become very obvious that players are going to take every possible advantage. So they do kind of have to build that into like incentivizing people to take these risks in future seasons. Yeah, and I wonder if people watching it, because this worked out so well for the producers, right? Like, we've never had, like, this was going to be an easy three to two vote, no drama. They would have had to, like, manufacture drama and be like, oh, are they going to decide, like, you know, are Chanel and Daniel going to decide to side with Mike's side? Or are they going to side with, like, Lydia's side or whatever? You know, it would have been some, like, fake thing. And this way we got, like, this immense drama. So it was it was amazing for the show. But I, yeah, you got to imagine people watching this that are going to play on future seasons are going to realize that. Because also it's like, what even is the value of an extra vote? Like, how many times in the history of the show has an extra vote actually helped someone advance in the game? Like I can't even two remember one time or that three, it was maybe. Useful. Like, it's yeah, it's not that many. And I feel like it's actually having it early does seem to be more beneficial because I feel like with those small groups, you're able to to sort of think about the dynamic of the the vote dynamic a little bit more clearly. But yeah, it's uh, usually it'll be like. Uh, a merge and it's like six versus six and somebody uses it and then like four other people do seven other things and it's just (laughs) everything gets mixed up um so while omer and chanel are gone mike is terrified that daniel is gonna flip go with chanel to vote with hi and lydia um and as that's happening daniel is chatting with hi and lydia about you know just exactly that but daniel says he prefers that lydia goes home uh, that's when Chanel gets back, and immediately Dan briefs her that Lydia, it's Lydia versus Jenny. Chanel says, we got to split those votes, and immediately tries to split High and Lydia's votes. Um, based on the edit of this of this series and, and into, the, um, into the Tribal Council as well, High was like, yeah, I'm kind of clocking that something weird is going on. It feels like High has some intuition based on, based on these scenes. That, that was the vibe I got. Yeah, I think he definitely seems very observant and very, and I think even in his preseason interviews, he was saying that he is kind of the type to sit back and observe, which people were saying may or may not be an advantage. Like, it depends. Sometimes you do need to go and kind of get your hands dirty. But I think in this way, it lended itself really well. I was very attuned to what was happening with Chanel's body language. And I guess she came out freaked out because she must have realized what had happened before even coming to tribal. But I will give her credit where credit is due. She did manage to, at first, kind of compel them to split the vote, which was awesome and could have gone their way still. Um, And yet she was giving off too much of a nervous energy that High picked up on and was like, forget it. We're not splitting the vote. Something's off. Yeah. 
I think that what Dina said is exactly right. Like, it seemed like a smart idea. Like, assuming I want to get out Lydia, then the only way to do it, since it also it seemed like she realized right away that she made a mistake and is probably going to lose her vote because she was like, I think I might not have a vote tonight. Uh, so then, yeah, it makes total sense to like, well, we only have now two versus two if we want to get out Lydia because it's only going to be Daniel and Mike voting for Lydia. And then obviously, hi. No, yeah, Daniel and... Oh, yeah, Daniel and Jenny, sorry, voting for Lydia. And then Hi and Lydia voting for Jenny. And so, yeah, the only way to pull this off is to make a 2-1-1 vote, which, like, is kind of really smart. Like, it's a brilliant decision. But also, I just wonder if it's, like, too risky, like, early on. Like, I don't know if this is a hot take or, like, probably not. It's obviously easy to say from here. But it's, like, I wonder if, like, it doesn't... Does it really matter to Daniel and Chanel, like, who goes home here? Like, I feel like... Either way, they're going to be in the majority. The other person from the pair that they vote out is now going to be the bottom person. So, like, I feel like if you come back, you realize you don't have a vote. Why not just play it safe, vote out Jenny from the start, and then you don't have to worry about splitting votes and, like, lying and, like, doing all this complicated stuff. Like, Mike doesn't even have a vote. You could vote out Jenny. I guess maybe then you're worried that Mike gets an idol on the next episode, and now you have no option. But then but then Daniel and Chanel can team up with Mike and vote out hire Lydia, which is what Mike wanted to do anyway. So I kind of yeah. feel like they just, like, overcomplicated what could have been, like, even though, like, Chanel made this bad mistake with the risking the vote, I feel like they still could have salvaged it by just not trying to force this thing that was going to require this, like, super finesse move. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because Chanel definitely could have, upon realizing that she didn't have her vote, and and I guess let's just jump into tribal at this point. Like we're we're knocking on the door of it. The only other note I had that I thought was interesting before tribal began is that Chanel, right before they go, says because of her social game, she's controlling the vote, even though she might not have one. <laughs> and uh, just like the, the you know the funniest like people just being way too arrogant before they go and then getting served uh, trope of Survivor. So much hubris. Yes. And I actually want to touch uh, just quickly, right before we dive into tribal, something that Elon said about how, you know, let's say they just keep it simple. They vote out Jenny, but they, then maybe Mike is mad. Then so they change the strategy. They vote out Mike and then they get rid of this idol anyway, if they're like so concerned that it might actually bite them in the butt, which, by the way, I didn't understand Daniel's sort of change of heart to begin with when he was saying that, oh, actually, like Mike really saved himself because like now we can use this idol even after the merge. And it's like, do you know how hard it is to pull like five different people together and then like some other people from a different tribe, I guess, after the merge and then use the idol correctly? It just like seems like not that useful of a tool and like not something that he should really strongly take into consideration as part of his strategy that like, oh, Mike has this idol that maybe we can use up in like five days from now and like yeah. three tribals later. A hundred percent. Like, I feel like anyone listening to this is not going to cast us on Survivor. It was basically Dean and I, like, I feel like my vibe is like, I wouldn't risk my vote. I don't even think I would go for an idol because I don't want to risk losing my vote. If I have an option at Tribal to do something complicated or something straightforward, I'm probably just going to do the straightforward thing. It's just like, which obviously would make for a boring TV show, but it's just really funny how these people are just trying to do the most complex things. Like, yeah, why is Daniel so worried about him having the idol after the merge? Like, just like, make it forward you have an ally like you could potentially have three allies it's like that's all you need like that's good that's a good start so you guys are like sandra's you're saying you guys are like anybody but me type players you think if you go out there Uh i mean i just feel like 
like I want to have allies. I, I think if I'm out there, I want to have people that I trust, and I'm Probably, not going to worry yeah. so much about the trinkets <laughs> and and advantages. Right. And I'm, I, I also just feel like I'm going to be risk averse. But I'm not going to go into a tribal knowing I need to like convince these two people to split the vote. Otherwise, I'm screwed. If I have an option where I can just do something that's like a guaranteed hundred percent home run, let's just do that and not sure. have to like bank on Chanel's amazing social game of being able to control the vote. Well, you By the way, Ben, trust. if you're on, if you're on Survivor, Ben, and if the you're doing an interview and they're like, Ben, how well do you think you're playing? Would, would you take the bait and be like, I'm playing so well that I'm controlling the vote even without a vote? No, I, well, I refuse to say things like that about myself, like in, I'm going to relate it to fantasy hockey, I guess, like, typically, I'm the type where, like, if I'm up 40 going into a Sunday, I'm like, yeah, things seem fine, like, there might be a, you know, like, who knows what'll happen, but it does seem, like, pretty good for me right now, or whatever. I would say something like, like, I would be like, things are looking good, but you never know, is, is I think what I would say, because you never know. I totally agree with you, Ben. Like, mm-hmm. I'm big on jinx also. Like, I'm not superstitious. And yet, this is the one thing that it's like, I never want to overplay my hand in any situation. Yes. It's not about jinxing, well. though, to me. Sorry. I, to me, it's not about jinxing. It's because I, I know that the hubris thing will come. Like, I just don't want to later have to, like, deal with the fact that I put my foot in my mouth. That's what I'm trying to avoid. Yeah, especially like Chanel must know after that tribal council when it, they like she wasn't able to convince High because the whole plan was to convince High to vote for Mike and then Mike was and then High like realized that the plan wasn't going the way he wanted so he switched and voted for Jenny which ruined everything and I'm yes. sure as soon as Chanel saw that she was like well they're definitely going to play that clip that I said in that interview where <laughs> <I said laughs> right. like, it's like that's guaranteed getting on the show. <laughs> That's true, yeah. And so they do get to tribal. Hi, you will see, notices Daniel and Chanel talking. Uh, at one point, Chanel mouths Lydia at Daniel. Uh, Daniel, or, or when they arrive, Chanel immediately lies about how she played it safe. Uh, Mike says that he believes her. Daniel goes on some rant about how neurotic he is. Um, they <laughs> Where both we actually, doesn't... Yeah, can we put a pin in that Yo, yeah, horrible please. rant? Yeah, yes. Elon, you were saying. Well, just like he listed the people that make him feel comfortable yes. or whatever. And he listed not high or Lydia, which are the two people they're trying to like, like fool into doing something against their better interests. So why not at least suck up to them to try to make them comfortable to do the thing? Because he's neurotic, Elon. He literally <laughs> just said so. <laughs> yeah. He... Like if you're listing people anyways, you might as well m- try to make the person you're feel- you want to feel comfortable with you, you know, say that, that you're comfortable with them. Yeah, he doesn't seem to know when he is shooting himself in the foot, I guess. Like, it, it seems... And that's, like, obviously always a, a, a reality TV trope. That's part of why we watch is, like, enjoying seeing people make what are very observable mistakes to us. Um, and so Daniel making that mistake is just, like, you're just shaking your head at him at this point. Um, so they vote. Only four people can vote because Mike and Chanel have lost their votes already. Hi and Daniel have to re-vote. It stays a tie. At this point, Hi and Daniel need to decide if they can uh, if they can choose one between Lydia and Jenny. Otherwise, those two, as well as Mike and Chanel, will need to draw rocks. Mike and Chanel can influence their decision, but they don't get a say because they lost their votes. I'm going to throw this over to you guys, but the one comment I want to make before I do is that Daniel immediately gives High all of the leverage by being like, just so everyone knows, I just don't want to draw rocks, but hi, buddy, can we do the thing that I want, though, please, as well as not draw rocks? 
big cringe uh, for Daniel. So I just think that Daniel really put all his cards on the table for everyone to see. And he didn't even take a breath. He was like, okay, before everything, let me just tell you how I'm not going to rocks. And that's all you need to know. And in my mind, it's like, you want to start a conversation. Sure, maybe you want to even feel like you have control over the conversation because mm-hmm. you're paranoid, you're neurotic. But what you don't want to do is just completely um, make it very explicit what your intentions are. You could be like, hey, so like, let's talk about this. Like, mm-hmm. how's everyone feeling? Maybe just facilitate the conversation and mm-hmm. then like try to steer it your way if you're able to. But you never want to just right off the bat kind of... Ex- explicitly state like what you're going to do like yeah. the end result just like fast forward and yeah they did go to rocks because you said you didn't want to yeah he blew it immediately gave basically told high like i will if you stick with what you're doing i will i will flip and and go with For what sure. you want to do so like yeah i just think that like he should have realized before the vote even happened I think Daniel was like, I don't really care actually who goes home. At this mm-hmm. point, it's just a matter of me trying to salvage this situation and not come off like the most completely untrustworthy person ever. Which again, I'm just which say one he more does time. not do. <laughs> well, first of all, that he doesn't do. I'm going to say one more time that he could have accomplished that easily by just not trying to do this complicated split vote thing in the first place. But you know, now it's too late for that. Now I think it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, the way I see it is that he decided in that moment, like, he was like, my best course of action at this point, I think he knew that he was going to be voting out Jenny. I think that's why he said it. He was like, look, I know, like, I'm not willing to risk it. I don't even care. I think in his mind, he was like thinking, okay, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to throw Chanel under the bus, make everyone blame her for what happened. So then after the vote, me, Mike, Hi, and like Lydia can be super tight and it'll be Chanel on the bottom and I like come out of this just fine. And I think that was in his head. You know, it's like sort of like what I, you know, that meme of like what I thought would happen and then what did happen and it's completely differently. Instead, I think he just like put his foot in his mouth over and over again and just made everyone realize. Like, first of all, he turned on Chanel. So his number one ally hates him now. He like, Mike is mad at him for voting out Jenny in the end. And Hi and Lydia are probably mad at him for like lying to them and trying to convince them to yeah. the vote to try to blindside Lydia. So he literally went from having potentially a lot of allies to having none and everyone has a reason and for sure that whole thing about how like he went to Lydia and High and was like you guys won't hold this against me, right? I'll only agree if like, and they were like, yeah, of course not. It's like, come on, like no one's buying that. As, as I'm being like, I will do exactly what you say, just please tell me you're not mad at me though. <laughs> and in contrast, High handled the whole thing masterfully. Oh yeah. So I want Agreed, to, yeah. uh, I want to throw it back also to before they even go voting, just how expressive is High's face, just like so memeable, just mm-hmm. like looking back and forth and like mm-hmm. calculating in his head. I like really enjoyed his facial expressions during uh, Tribal. And the thing that I thought was so smart that he did is like, as soon as Daniel laid all his cards, Hi actually took a very strong stance also. And then he said, like, well, I am not voting Lydia out. So that's just out of the question. Once he put, like, that flag in, you know, in the sand, so to speak, and Dan already said, like, well, I'm not going to rocks, then it's basically, like, someone needs to say something to, you know, to basically make a Jenny. Because, like, the two people are essentially in agreement to just, like, say the same thing, but, like, in two different ways. And... You know, and and high is just 
basically making the it's like a foregone conclusion by yeah. then. <laughs> And I'd yeah. love to hear an interview with Hai. Like, I wouldn't even be surprised if, like, you ask him an interview, would you actually have been willing to go to Rocks? Maybe he'll be like, no, I would have totally flipped on Lydia if yeah. I needed to. Like, it yeah. might have just been a play. It might not even been true what he was saying. I made that note. At, le- at the very least, Hai made an incredible bluff. Because, like, yeah, what are you going to do after he says that? And you've already said, I'm not, like, I will do anything to avoid Rocks. Hai says, okay, well, I'm not voting out Lydia. Well, then... You have one, you have, your choice is Rox or Jenny. And Daniel, while crashing, flails around and tries to implicate Chanel in a horribly tactless way, um, gets blamed for all of it, and essentially is, like, by, like, clearly on the bottom in this track. Like, he created a path for Mike to uh, weather losing his his biggest ally and walk right into, you know, the 3-4 the spot in this, uh, this alliance. I think you're absolutely right, because Mike always made it explicit that he was with Jenny, so they can't be that mad at him. Mm-hmm. But now that Jenny is gone, and he's a free agent, so sure, he'll work yeah. with them. Meanwhile, Daniel is just, like, you know, lying and trying to very poorly, like, manipulate people into thinking that it wasn't his doing at all, as if, like, Chanel just told him what to do, and he was like, okay, like, yeah, that's it's a not bad gonna look. lie. Yeah, he, no, I he agree with comes you. out Messy. looking so bad. Very I for bad. sure agree. It's like, Mike seems like the kind of person that it's like, if I give you my word, you can trust it. And yes. like, just I gave my word to Jenny, but now she's gone. So now, hi, I'm going to give you my word. Lydia, I'm going to give you my word. And they'll believe him, I think. But like, yeah. if Daniel's like, I give you my word, it's like, your word is like nothing. It's garbage. You turned on yes. Chanel like in two seconds when before you were like a pair together. You can already see a future episode where somebody is trying to loop Daniel in on a vote. Whether or not they're like telling him the truth, I, I don't know. But like where he's... Like, he's like, and I swear to God, I'll do it. And somebody's just being like, yes, I believe you. And you know that they are, like, do not believe. Like, you can already, it's happened so many times. Every season, something like this happens. I like Mike, I will say. I I really like Mike. Uh, My favorite Mike moment this season is he's talking about how he knows that, like, um, as as like a very large man, he always goes out of his way to be um, to be gregarious and charming because he knows that he can be intimidating. Uh, and when he's like he's they're setting up the shelter at one point and he he smashes a rock and he like picks up the pieces. He goes, I break rock. <laughs> he cracks me right up. I loved it. He seems really Mike funny. is a big teddy bear. Yes. I think he's just like that solid guy that wears his heart on his sleeve, that's loyal, that you know exactly that what he says is like what he's going to do. And for the most part, he can be a very trusted ally, even if it he wasn't your ally to begin with. Which is why, again, going back to what you said, Ben, I really think that he is in a good spot, although he doesn't have a vote. So that could still Fair be point. a problem for him. Uh, just like a potential easy target if they could all, you know, the other four could actually work together since I feel like there's like a lot of aired laundry there that they will need to work through. But for the most part, I'm less concerned about um, Mike. About Mike. And mm-hmm. more concerned about Daniel. I wonder yeah. though if Chanel still, while I think that Daniel is in a worse spot, I wonder if he can still make Chanel the target he'll try we know that he will try yeah if i was daniel i'd be mad at chanel because like she could have just not risked her vote and we wouldn't even be in this situation that's by the way but uh, he knew before the thing 
Okay, you know, he knew that early, so I don't know. It's like he'd already signed, sort of signed up for it. Sorry, Elon, what were you going to say? Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say about, like, when you said how Mike has lost his vote, don't forget that, like, there's still going to be a whole cycle where we saw in, like, the season preview. I don't know if this is, this doesn't count as spoilers because this was literally in the preview of the season, like at the start of episode one. They showed Tori finding like her part of the idol, right? I think it was some phrase yes. of like a potato has skin and I have skin. Am I a potato? <laughs> so yep. that could happen next episode, and that will be all three. So there's a I think there's at least a fifty percent chance that Mike has an idol like twenty minutes into the next episode. That would be really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're as we approach the hour mark, this seems like a good time to hop off. Uh, any takes that you guys wanted to mention before we before we do so? I guess I'll throw a take uh, from we haven't obviously talked much about the Ika tribe because they yes. were like pretty silent this episode. They didn't they get a got... scene. I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I am very interested in this whole thing that happened where Drea went to uh, Swati and Tori, like, let's make a woman's alliance to mm-hmm. vote out Roxway or whatever. And then as soon as Drea walked away, then Swati turned to Tori and was like, let's vote out Drea. I just like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really funny how like. I don't, I don't know why. I just like, kind of like that feeling of like the one person thinking they did this really smart thing. Like Drea's walking away thinking, yeah. I got this. I'm locked in here. And meanwhile, right. the people are like right that the next second, like backstabbing her. So I'm just going to put my uh, stamp on. I predict that Drea is going to be voted out next episode. If I have to make my pick of who's wow. out next, I pick Drea. I hope not. I like Drea. What's yeah, up? She's Canadian. What's up, Dina? Yeah. Montreal. Uh, yeah, I I enjoy that tribe too. I really like Tori, and like she's a bit of the, a villain of the season. Okay. So I like to kind of hate on her a little. Like she thinks she's like so smart, and sometimes she's pretty good. Like the time that she decided to go and talk to Drea, like and like address that tension of like, oh, you were like throwing my name out, and mm-hmm. then suddenly like Tori was not even. Um, discussed as like a potential person to be voted out and it was like Zach who was voted out instead so I'm enjoying her as like this funny character that's like trying really hard she's definitely tried the anyone but me strategy and 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 maybe voting well for her so we'll have to see but uh, yeah I also enjoy that uh, interaction between the three of them and Tori's like yeah sounds great Swati let's vote Drea out I don't care Drea Drea also went into that conversation like I'm not even really like what where this is going is I'm going to try and get Zach out, um, which uh, I feel like Drea is playing a good game. Uh, Tori bothers me, but mainly because like when I'm watching her, I'm like, I do not trust you to be a good therapist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, she loves yeah, herself for sure. She's, I just she get that vibe. I get that vibe of like, uh, do you guys watch Peep Show? No, uh, this is a, it's a sitcom, a British sitcom, and there's a character who uh, goes to therapy once, and like many people who go to therapy once, immediately, I'm saying this as someone who has been a handful of times as well, immediately decides that therapy is like the solution for everything and becomes upset. I just, I feel like I wouldn't trust anything she told me, but she has been really good at the like, um, the like, as someone's walking away, saying something withering, which she did in the first episode after Zach left being like, oh, like, it's too bad, but I guess it's you versus me or whatever. And he leaves and she goes, yeah, great job on the puzzle, by the way, <laughs> as he's walking away. <laughs> that that cracked me up. 
Yeah, uh, you need a character like her. She's like you. I really hope that she lasts over Drea. Not that I have anything against Drea, but I like for me, it comes down to comedy. Like I want my show to be funny, and I think the show is funnier with Tori in the picture. Uh-huh. I, I would rather neither of them go because I feel like Drea has so many advantages. I want to see her use something interesting. But yeah, uh, we'll yeah, see I guess, right. next week. Um, I, I really, I would prefer Roxroy to go from that tribe, except yes. for the fact that I did a draft with some friends for the season and you get more points the further your people go. And I was stuck with Roxroy as the last overall pick. So I was forced to take him. So now I'm like forced to cheer for Roxroy. So I don't want him to go because of my draft. How did you know that he would be the worst character to cheer for oh we did it after the first episode uh okay i do like most of that tribe for sure roxroy needs to uh relax about the building um i do have one taku take i want to share with you guys and it's that i really i am ready to ship omar and jonathan they need to kiss this season. They're the they're the <laughs> cutest little couple, and they like both talk about how they. At one point, Jonathan, uh, I think it's in the previous episode. At one point, Jonathan says, "Together, we make the perfect human." They just, <laughs> I feel like they just don't even know that they're in love. It's it's adorable. I love their bromance so much, and you know what? I'm ready to see that baby. That's a part Jonathan, part Omer, <laughs> right. and like the best parts of both. Mm-hmm. That would be a very great human. I'm into it. The Survivor chance. I feel like the last time we've seen a pair like this team up, it was in the season that Marianne didn't watch the rest of, so she didn't know how it Ooh. turns out. Yeah, are you but, talking about JT and... Uh, and Steven. And Steven, yeah. Yeah, JT was like the hunk then mm-hmm. that was like helping their tribe win the challenge, and then Steven was like kind of the more cerebral player, even though not to take anything away from Jonathan, he seems really smart. But yeah, it's too bad Marianne didn't watch that season, or she'd know that maybe these two are a threat together. That's a good point. Um, all right. Well, Dina, Elon, what a fun hour we've spent chopping it up about the latest episode of survivor i hope that uh i hope that you will invite me back to chat with you again about a future episode aren't you the host of the show yeah you you invite us yeah (laughs) we want the invite you're invited (laughs) open invite next week let's do it i'm in see you then what's our what's the name of our show again survivor squad we'll be back next week see you survivor squad see you later